I've heard a lot of big entrepreneurs, businessmen or successful people say I was just lucky. And I would normally think they are being humble, you know. Being lucky is so undervalued and uh, seen with so much disgust. I think high time we talk about it. So we have Hasan Kuba, a long-time serial entrepreneur and a mentor and coach to numerous startups who has co-authored the book The Unfair Advantage, which is also awarded the best book of the year 2021. Well the book is like someone talking reality to you you know or rather brutal reality when it comes to entrepreneurship or being successful in general in life the book is proudly based on the age old wisdom life isn't fair but goes to claim that anyone and everyone has an unfair advantage or rather a whole full of unfair advantages it's all about identifying it and using it to the full we have hasan with us here today to tell us how to grow exponentially by identifying our unfair advantages in life and using them well well before we welcome i want to talk about a podcast if you are a daily commuter spending precious hours of the day stuck in traffic jams or a policy maker trying to understand the context and extent of transport policies please listen to the transportation podcast by workos it's an interesting platform where national and international experts discuss the a to z of transport how it touches our daily lives and what steps we may take to make transportation safe seamless efficient and equitable the transportation podcast by workos is available on all leading podcast apps hi hasan welcome to secrets of storytellers how are you hey i'm good thank you thanks for having me man great uh, great to have you hasan here and uh, i must tell you i i love the book uh, what you and ash ali have uh, together uh, authored because you know you come across books that talk a lot of idealism but it's only seldom that you come across a book which talks sheer brutal reality life isn't fair you got to make your way up to the top you uh, use the ladder run fast you know things like that <laughs> yeah man i really appreciate it that's what we were going for we thought nobody's there talking about the reality of what it takes to succeed and how it really isn't just about you know hard work and hustle only yeah that okay that's required but like what how else can you think how can you strategize so we you know we we went about and wrote it and Yeah, we're really pleased to see how well it's done and how popular it's become. So, yeah, very exciting stuff. Right. So, uh, uh I'll start with some of the questions that I had uh, though because uh, there were some some points that, you know, I still want to clarify and probably for the benefit of our listeners, it will really help. So, right at the start of the book, you know, you've you've questioned meritocracy. Now, that's that's kind of unsettling because, you know, it gives you a free pass to all the shortcuts in life. I are you really suggesting that? <laughs> Um yeah so we say uh, the the myth of meritocracy I actually have a TEDx talk about it as well that your listeners can look up um and look I mean is life more meritocratic now than it used to be absolutely like of course we've made so much progress and we talk about that in the book but if we are going to go so far as to believe that we live in a pure meritocracy then then I think we're in a delusion because of course not because um at the end of the day business and success is about people and people have unconscious biases they have prejudices they have fallacies they have i think we need to work hard to try to equalize the starting line you know try to e- level the playing field um so that's from a policy side but at the same time no matter how much we do it's still not going to reach a pure meritocracy where everybody starts from the same starting line because that's just how life is there's such a thing as inheritance there's such a thing as talent there's such a thing as like you know luck 
at the end of the day, one of the basic things that comes into place is luck as well. And of course, we talk in the book about how you can create your own luck. So meritocracy exists, of course, in the sense that like, it's not completely random. So we talk about there's two extremes. One extreme is that life is just completely random. It's all fate. It's all luck. It's all just superstition or something or whatever. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can just sit there and complain and envy the people who are successful or you just be happy about it, whatever. Then the other extreme is it's all about your hard work. It's all about your hustle. It's all about you. And it's so extreme on that side that everybody's situation in life is based on what they've done and everything is their fault. And that's not true either. <laughs> that's absolutely not true. You talk to anybody who's successful, that's like, you know what? That I had a lot of lucky breaks. You know, you have to work hard. You have to do the right strategies. But at the same time, you also need to get a lucky break. <laughs> I think um, Paul Graham, who's like the kind of like the godfather of tech startups, he says something like, it's something along the lines of like, you do everything right and then you roll the dice of luck. And then it's like, that's when you see if it, if it works out. But the good news is if you just keep rolling the dice, you're going to eventually roll a six. So that that's the good news about luck. So <laughs> yeah, so we try to give a nice balance. Yeah, it'll strike sometime. Yeah, exactly. Take some time, give it a few shots. Um, don't, you know, failure is just feedback and keep going forward. Right. But then, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. But then uh, what happens is that, you know, until success is all governed by hard work or meritocracy, it gives you a sense of guilt as well. You know, it's, it's like a safe feeling that I know that I've not put in the required effort or I know that I should have put in more because, you know, you expect more of yourself every time. I can't explain why or why not something is happening if, if I bring luck into the picture. You know, it becomes too random. Doesn't that cause a lot of anxiety? No, hopefully it shouldn't cause anxiety. It should do the opposite. Because the anxiety comes from believing too far as if we are in control in our own lives. We're not 100% in control of our own lives. Anything can happen in life. You never know. Tragedies can befall us. Random bits of luck. You just never know. So... Ah, wonderful, yeah. I think when I look back on when I was younger, I was very much into self-development books and, um, you know, that kind of thing and self-improvement. And I used to beat myself up a lot. And I think um, I think things are changing a bit. Things are changing a bit in the sense of like the importance of self-compassion and being kinder and gentler to oneself rather than they used to think it like it's kind of like a tough love thing that we talk to ourselves hor in a horrible way. Um, like, oh, you, you loser, you're not doing the right things. This is because of you. You're not waking up early enough. Oh my God, you're so undisciplined. You're... And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can relate to that because, yeah, you know, you know what was the big turning point for me, actually? It was, and this is why I talk in the book about getting mentors. I think we are the type, as creatures, we like to model. We like to copy and look at somebody and model them. Yeah. And when we have somebody who, who's successful that we can model, it really helps. So if you can hang out help out be around successful people it really really helps upgrade your friends group that kind of thing so i remember the first kind of mentor that i had like the first big mentor he's kind of a multi-millionaire guy lives in a huge place in like really expensive part of london and and i and you know i've read all the business books i've read all the self-development books and i'm like this guy is not doing that stuff he's making all the mistakes in the book he's yeah. he's like not delegating well He's he's uh, working working so hard. He's gonna like um. Th this guy is the type that like just works twenty four seven and doesn't <laughs> and doesn't have time for breaks. Um. He just he has no hobbies. He doesn't recharge his batteries. He doesn't systemize his business well. He was even like this guy's a, a dentist and he was even expanding one of his clinics. And the architect is supposed to do do the drawings, but he was doing it himself instead. 
And I said to him, why are you doing that? Like, that's not your job. You're not an architect. You're a dentist. He's like, yeah, because the architect is too slow. So I thought I'll just do it. I just like to do things myself. And it's like, what? That's not working to your advantages. That's not the thing that you should be doing. Yeah. But despite all that, despite all that, he was super successful. Right? Same thing happened when I met Ash, my co-author. I would see <laughs> and I started to realize, oh, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be so well-rounded to be successful. You can make so many mistakes as long as you're, here's the thing, as long as your unfair advantages are so strong and you've strengthened them so much and you're using them and doubling down on them and you're delegating where you're not strong or you have partners or something where you're not strong, then it's fine. You can be so weak in so many areas. Um, there's a show called The Apprentice. And in that show, it's about how to be an entrepreneur. And they give them all these tasks, like they need to be able to create an advert. Um, they need to design it and film it and produce it. And they need to uh, be able to sell in a market store. And they need to be able to impress in a meeting and an interview. And they, basically, they need to be super well-rounded. And that's not reality. If you look at like Mark Zuckerberg, is he going to be able to sell in a market stall? That's know? so relieving, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. that was the big takeaway. He was like, oh, you don't need to be perfect. You just need to... And, and one thing that Ash told me, because his, he has one big success story, which is Just Eat. And he has other successes, but that one is so like far... Because that's a unicorn success story. So it's like huge. And, and he's actually a really successful serial entrepreneur. Like his ventures in general are super, like do so well. But that... 1.5 billion pounds, 2.4 billion dollars IPO of Just Eat. And he was the first marketing director, like the third senior member of staff. And he told me something, and I've heard it from other successful people since then. He's like, you only need to get lucky once. That's it. <laughs> you just need to get lucky once. And it's like, ah, it's like you only need to be right once. You know, you do startups. You only need to. So nobody cares. No, we're counting in our own selves. What's my success rate? Like, let's say if we're doing sales or doing outreach or something, we're like, okay, I call 10 people. One of them I only have a 10% success rate or, or convert. Nobody cares about rates. Nobody's looking at your rates. People are just looking at your success. Right. They're not looking at how many times you failed. They just look at how many times you succeed. But for us, internally, we're, looking at, we're, we're only took, looking at all our failures. And when we look at people's Instagrams, when we look at people sharing their lives on social media, we think, oh, everything is great. Everything is amazing in their lives. Um, but obviously, they're just showing that side. I, I fondly remember Cristiano Ronaldo said this. That, you know, it took me 19 years to become an overnight success. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. You don't see all those like, uh, Michael Jordan's got similar quotes. And it's like yeah. that, that, that whatever, for these guys, they're just like elite performers. So for them, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. at the gym before it's even light. You know, nobody's there watching. Nobody's taking photos. Nobody cares. So it's, it's, it's so true. Yeah. So, uh, Hassan, this, this is really interesting and it's, it's kind of relieving as well. And I love the fact that, you know, you, you put the whole fact of luck, anxiety very clearly. Now, what is an unfair advantage? Because you've, the book is about that. You've harped on it time and again. And, uh, and you've probably, you know, come to realize that probably everything about in, in this world is about the unfair advantages. What is an unfair advantage? Okay, so an unfair advantage in, in a simplest sense is just a, a competitive upper hand. It's like a head start and a race, you can think of it as. Like one example we like to give is like being tall in basketball is an unfair advantage. It's like, it's so clear because we all see, oh yeah, of course it is. You know, like, it's not like he's tall because he worked hard at being tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just, he's just tall. Um, and, yeah. and it's not like, and the thing is about being tall in basketball, being tall doesn't guarantee you're going to become a professional NBA player or become amazing at basketball. 
And being short doesn't guarantee that you won't. But it just makes it so much harder. <laughs> it makes it so much harder. So in other words, in life, not just in business, in life, not just in sports, there are unfair advantages. You can be, you know, you can grow up surrounded by success and learn all about all the opportunities. One very simple um, unfair advantage is just to know about the opportunities of like the tech startups, for example, because, you know, we're into tech startups. And just to know that exists as an option. Usually you just think, oh, I could just be a doctor or a lawyer or, a, you know, an engineer. Okay, that's it. Cool. Um, I think it's becoming more well known now that if you go into software engineering, like you could do quite well. But like just to even be aware of opportunities, just to have the guidance, just to have that um, tacit knowledge that you can get from your parents, um, just to have a stable childhood, just to have like a good education. For me, I talk about the fact that I'm a native speaker of English. I could have had a very strong accent because if I, I came to the UK when I was three years old, if I was if I came to the UK when I was like, you know, 20 years later or 15 years later, I'll probably have a strong accent. My English wouldn't be so good. I wouldn't come across like this. I remember one of the sales jobs. My name there was James because just on the phone. <laughs> so <Yeah>. it doesn't <laughs> matter. And I could just sound like that. So these are all unfair advantages, right? So these are things that people often overlook, often don't even realize that they have it. They just look at what they don't have. And one of the things that we really focus on in the book is gratitude and understanding yeah. and auditing what you already have going for you. How, how ridiculous can be an unfair advantage? What is the most ridiculous unfair advantage that you have known? <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, well, we give some stories. So there's one story and this is, I mean, there are much, I'm sure there are in the world that have been the most ridiculous ones. So like, yeah, yeah. it could be anything really. But one of the, an interesting one was there's a, there was a startup, which we were researching. We were seeing a lot of stuff. We were doing some angel investing in startups. And I can't remember how I came across this article where it was like, oh, this new this new startup, it was called, I think it was called White Hat or something like that. It was, it was a startup and they, they had lost, and I don't remember the exact numbers, the, the, there's a mini case study in the book, but it was something like they had lost in their first year around 600,000 pounds, which is like close to a million dollars. Like, yeah. And luckily, they got a, an investment from an unnamed donor of a interest, not an investment, it was an interest-free loan. Um, for 600,000, something like that, or maybe a bit more, maybe 800,000 um, in their first year. And it's like, oh, who was this unnamed donor? Well, who is the founder of the startup? His name is Ewan Blair. He grew up in 10 Downing Street, the son of Tony Blair. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's an unfair advantage. It's the bank of mum and dad. So a classic uh, one is just to be, you know, Trump says, I had a small loan of a million dollars. <laughs> a small loan. And this yeah. is in the 70s. God damn it. 70s. And, and it's actually much more if you dig into his background. It's actually something like 70 million or something that he actually got. But there yeah. you go. So that is a very simple and basic and one that everybody would understand. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the Miles framework? Because I think that's a beautiful one to identify each one's uh, unfair advantage. Absolutely. So we created this, this uh, tool and it's been very popular. It's called the Miles framework. Um, it's a way of auditing your own unfair advantages. So um, MILES is an acronym and it stands for money, which is the classic unfair advantage that, let's say, if you want to start a startup or kind of in anything in life, that if you have money, it's an unfair advantage. You can deploy that and use that. And you can't underestimate that. It's true. Um, it's like a financial cushion. Um, you know, it can help you to just have the confidence to try something because you know you're not going <laughs> to starve. You're not going <laughs> to have to live on the streets. So money is a big one. Intelligence and insight. 
is the second one is for i it's intelligence we talk about three different kinds of intelligence we talk about like iq and typical like book smarts which is what usually people refer to but we also talk about social and emotional intelligence which is huge and also creative intelligence which is like massively underrated and then we talk about l and then we use l l is for location and luck location and luck is about right place right time and a lot of success <laughs> is just about being at the right place at the right time yeah um and it's about kind of increasing your chances and probabilities by putting yourself out there more um increase your surface area for luck you know to happen e is for exp- uh, education and expertise education being educated is is an unfair advantage of course of course it is some people think like oh everybody's a dropout from university college dropouts well google was a phd thesis you know like that that wasn't dropouts they literally did it on their phd program at stanford um sergey brin and larry page so and there's a lot of like deep tech and biotech and all these things that come from real expertise and i mean real edu- deep education and phd students and you know understanding um and then you have expertise expertise can be built up through experience it can learn by doing as well so we wanted to include that in there as well because like you could take an online course you could just get started i mean i started my entrepreneurial journey through an online course um inspired by the four hour work week it was like all about how you can start a business that systemizes you know systemize it and it runs itself and you create a passive income and i was like wow that sounds amazing let me do that um and i that's i think of myself as an unnatural entrepreneur i developed my expertise i wasn't naturally kind of selling stuff and doing business ventures when i was a kid yeah and then we have s which is arguably the most powerful unfair advantage S stands for status. Status is how you come across, how people perceive you. It's about your looks. It's about your how you sound. It's about how you dress. It's about, you know, in the UK, there's still, and in everywhere, really, there's such a thing as classism. People perceive you, what class you come from, how they, you know, you, found, you find headlines of startup founders who raise money. They'll say ex-Googler or Stanford dropouts or, or you know, Oxford entrepreneurs or something, Oxford University. And these are status things. You know? These are big status things. Having brand names on your CV, you know, being based in a really expensive area that can be a status thing. And then we have the other kind of status is who you know, your network. So the reason that that status is because if you say, oh, you know, I was having dinner with Elon Musk the other day, how how high up does your status go? <laughs> so status is also about who you know. It's about your network, and network is huge. And then the final part of status is your inner status. It's your self-esteem and confidence, something that you can build, which is a good thing. And all of these miles, so that's all the unfair advantages. They're all on the foundation of your mindset. And we talk about mindset and a growth mindset, and we call it a reality growth mindset, which is rooted in reality. So we get into all that in the book. And yeah, you know, a lot of the book is about self-awareness. You know, it's about like figuring out who am I? What am I good at? What's my personality type like? What are my goals? What can I leverage in my favor? Interesting. Uh, and, you know, this is extremely helpful. I'm sure uh, it'll be really helpful to all the listeners as well. I was about to say on the Elon Musk thing that, you know, are you high or are you high enough on the status? <laughs> to make that state. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so these these unfair advantages could be, you know, sound more like double-edged swords. You know, someone who's rich could also be very taken aback, could be very free and not not think about doing something with that money because, you know, I have the money. Why do I want to do something about it? Right or I I am smart. Why should I Why should I bother about using it? I am smart. I I get uh, you know whatever I want to. So on on these like you know people could take it negatively or could take it for granted and waste it away. 
Yeah, 100%. So you've touched on the very, very important point, which is that each of these is a double-edged sword. So having money, right? We would see a lot of startup founders who were well-funded, actually. They had good money. But the problem was, because of the fact that they had money, they were very um, uncreative. They would just think, okay, let me buy some Facebook ads. Let me spend some money on Google ads. And it's like, you don't even have product market fit yet. You don't even, you're not trying things. You're not being scrappy. You're not, you're not hustling, going out there, talking to customers, figuring out what they need, what they want, what they like, feedback. You know, both Ash and I grew up not rich. We were poor and we didn't have money in our favor. But that, so for example, Ash says that made, gave him a burning desire, you know, that gives you a desire. Like you said, if you have money, you're sort of, you can sometimes be resting on your laurels and you have a lot to lose. You're like, oh, I have so much to lose. Like, yeah, I'm fine where I am. Um, whereas Ash says, you know, I had nothing to lose, you know, for himself. And, and I felt the same way. I was like, okay, well, I have, I had a little bit of money saved from like, um, in the UK, you can get a grant, a government grant as a student who with a low income. And I had a bit of a government grant and some student loan money that I had saved up. And I was like, okay, I was smart enough to save. And I have that. And I think there's some kind of personality type as well with saving. Yeah. And I invested that, you know, and, and I didn't have, but I had that amount of money to invest. But um, things like intelligence, you can kind of be so smart that you just think you're right. You know, you're smart in the wrong way. You know, your books, you're too book smart, but you're not street smart enough. You're not, you're not figuring things out. It's like, or location. If you live in somewhere like London or somewhere like the Bay Area, or uh, in India, Bangalore is like your Silicon Valley hub, right? It can be really expensive in those places. Staff can be really expensive. Rents can be really expensive. But at the same time, it's really good because the location is great and there's so much opportunity. So it's a double-edged sword. If you are somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you can have a much uh, longer runway. You, you have, uh, uh, you know, your burn rate, how much money you're spending on your business every month would be much lower. Your lifestyle costs will be much lower. Basically, one of the things that we talk about is if you don't fit the pattern of looking like um, a Harvard dropout who basically looks like Mark Zuckerberg, a white guy with <laughs> wearing flip flops and a hoodie, you know, right. you're not going to fit that mold. And we have a case study of Melanie Perkins, who's the founder of Canva. And um, she's like a Asian Australian. She's Australian, but like she looks Asian and she moved to she went to Silicon Valley to raise funding. And it's like nobody really she it was so difficult for her to raise funding so diff, unnecessarily difficult because she didn't fit that pattern recognition but if you're a woman or if you're we have a case study of uh, tristan walker he's a black guy who who um you know used that to his advantage in the sense that he found an unfilled need so we spoke about insight maybe we didn't touch on it actually i just spoke about intelligence insight is when you can find a need so sometimes when you have a status disadvantage you actually are able to find insights so let's say you're, you come from a poorer background, you understand what more people need than somebody who's grew up in a rich background, who has no idea what the average person wants or needs. So it doesn't can't create products for them, you know? So Tristan Walker realized that for black men or men with thick curly beards have issues with shaving. And, you know, the typical shavers have like five blades on them or something. And it's like, they just create ingrown hairs. And he's like, okay, he just made a system with one blade. It's not like that's a new invention. Well, he created a marketing system around it. He involved the rapper Nas and he created a whole, packaged it well. He put it into a company and then he sold that company for $30 million to the owners of Gillette, Procter & Gamble. And that's because he, he found that need because he's a black guy who knows other black guys like him who can't shave. And then you have Sarah Blakely, who's a woman, but she was able to figure out Spanx, which is this kind of like, it's like tights, but without the feet. And 
a guy would never have thought of that. But the woman who's going through that could find the insight. Yeah, but it's this wonderful idea. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these have unfair have double edge. So you just don't get born with unfair advantages or you just don't grow to make your unfair advantages. You can turn anything into an unfair advantage is what you're trying to say. If, if I hear you correctly. Almost anything. Yeah. I wouldn't say like, so, so one thing that's important is that it doesn't mean that, oh, so everything equ- equals out. You know, like Kylie Jenner, you say in the book, Kylie Jenner yeah. made her blip bully went into an unfair advantage. Now that's, that's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So what's important to know is that um, we all have unfair advantages. Even if it feels like we don't, because we don't, oh, we're not rich or we're not famous or we're not, you know, super good looking or whatever, or went to the most prestigious universities or something. However, you can often turn that disadvantage into an advantage by having the right mindset. So that is the key thing, I think, that people need to understand about mindset and about how you can, you can, you know, life gives you lemons, make lemonade kind of thing. You have to really know what to do with what you've got. Wonderful. Uh, Hassan, before we go to the next, the, the concluding section of the podcast, one last question on luck, because, you know, that is some topic I believe should really be addressed. It's high time. It's been really ridiculed and it's been really spoken lowly of as if there's something bad that is uh, about it. Anyway, I think luck is obviously in no one's hands, like you said initially as well. What is it that we can do and how can we increase our chances of striking the luck, you know, that one time right? Great, great question. So there's a professor here in the UK in London, in Hertfordshire, just outside London, who did some studies about luck. He's a psychologist. And he realized he they did some experiments with people who consider themselves lucky, and people who consider themselves unlucky. And there's quite a few of these. Um, so one of them was like, they, they did this experiment where they, where they gave them, they, they gave them this task, they said, in this newspaper, you need to find four of these words or ad, ad, adverts or something like that. And then in an early page of the newspaper, it says, you can stop looking. The answer to the question is this. Okay. The lucky people found this page. The unlucky people didn't. They had to sit there and look for how many word, times that word is or whatever the task was. I can't even remember what the task was exactly. And that was interesting. And there was another experiment. I think this one was by Richard Wiseman. So this, this newspaper one, I think, was something else. The one by Richard Wiseman was like, he ran an, a similar type of experiment where he sent somebody to a coffee shop and he had like some money on the floor and he had like this successful guy who was sitting on the table and it had all these like different opportunities. And the lucky people, they noticed the money more often than the unlucky people did because they're I, so basically, there's something psychological happening there. When you identify as a lucky person, you are going to, when you, in, a, in other words, when you start looking for opportunities, you start spotting them. If you close your mind off and say, oh, I'm just unlucky, you don't even spot the times that you are lucky. There's probably some money <laughs> under you right now that you're not even looking at. So, right. so the, uh, there's some more detail in the book in the section of luck. I'm going to dig, dig my flow today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a section in the book about like yeah. how you can increase. And then the second thing is just, do more things, put yourself out there more, publish things. Um, one of the keys to investing in general, but this applies to life, is do things with limited downside and unlimited upside. So like speaking to one person, let's say, that can, I mean, usually that has a limited upside or roughly speaking, it's a limited upside. Like you might improve that one person's life. Okay, so take that and record it as a YouTube video. The chances of it going viral are low. But if it does go viral, 
And if you try and strategize over how to make it go viral, look at thumbnail, look at titled, you know, learn about human psychology, learn about how to structure content, etc. Then you have the chance of reaching millions of people. Look at the impact that that has. So if you publish things and if you go out and try things and go to market, you get feedback, you can get lucky. If you don't do anything, if you don't roll the dice, there's no chance of you hitting the jackpot if you don't you know what i mean like, like to mix the metaphors like you have to be in it to win it don't try the lottery that's stupid because you just need yeah. to learn mathematics <laughs> to know that that's stupid but yeah. try the lottery of life which is doing things that might go somewhere don't give up so quickly but be strategic use your unfair advantages and launch and write online tweet um I, i'm not very good at this right now i'm trying to get into youtube myself but like publish things go out there put yourself out there you might get lucky and it's not just crossing your fingers and closing your eyes and wishing for luck. It's about studying it, trying to stack the odds in your favor to succeed. Um, uh, I actually coach Ali Abdal. He's a big YouTuber. He has a big review of the book on his channel. And it's reached over a million views right now. If we hadn't reached out to Ali to review our book, who at the time was a much smaller YouTuber, I think he had 200,000 subscribers. Right now he has about 2 million subscribers. And probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be even more than that. And this guy, we took a chance. We sent the book to be reviewed by a lot of people. You know, not all of them went viral or not all of them led to anything. But this one did. And that was just a luck thing. And um, I wasn't even bringing him up to give that example. But that's a great example. We've reached over a million people. And he interviews me in that video. Talks about the unfair uh, advantage. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but he also talks about YouTube and in terms of how his luck of he's, he's doing amazing right now financially. He, he doesn't need to do med- He's a doctor at Cambridge. He doesn't need to do medicine anymore. He's doing it for fun just one day a week or something. But um, he said that you just have to keep at it. He said you do one or two videos a week. That's just using YouTube as an example. Like one or two videos a week for two years. And you just stick with it. That's a big commitment. It's a commitment. And look, you're doing this with this podcasting. You're on, this is what, episode like 51 or something like that? 51, yeah. And you're just staying with it. And you're going to, it's going to grow and it's going to, but it takes work. It takes work. But you, the more you put stuff out there into the world, the more chances of that you're going to strike a chord with somebody. Somebody's going to hear you and offer you a job opportunity. Somebody's going to Google you to look for, even if you have hardly any views. You, someone Googles you and see, oh, that's cool. He's, he's been doing YouTube. Oh, cool. He's doing LinkedIn articles. He's been posting on LinkedIn. He's been getting followers there. He's, do, oh, he's got a big following on Twitter. Put things out there. Take more chances. You get more lucky. Wonderful. I think uh, there's, there's not a better way to kind of end this section. Do more. Put more out there. And that's the, that's the mantra for getting lucky. Wonderful, uh, Hassan. Uh, we'll, we'll move to the next section, which is the concluding section of the podcast. And it's an interesting one. Because it's one, one question which is common across all the episodes. I ask each one of my guests that one secret about the book or probably, you know, while you and Ash were writing the book that you've not really spoken about till now. Hmm. Secret that we haven't spoken about till now. Because that's, that's how we've named the podcast as well. Secrets of Storytellers. <laughs> secrets of Storytellers. Okay. I've got something very interesting to share. So we've told this to a few people, but not, we haven't spoken about it publicly as much. The reason we think this book has succeeded and we got a publishing deal and all of that, we weren't, you know, we're not huge celebrities or, or academics or something like that, you know? So usually publishing deals are for, you know, celebrities, academics, very difficult job. Yeah. So we didn't expect to get that, but we got it. And, and not only that, 
60% of authors, published authors, by the way, never ever see a royalty check because their book doesn't sell enough to earn back the advance on the royalties that they earn. So that's how it works. They give you an advance on the royalties. And then when you earn that back, in other words, when they sell enough books to make up that advance, then you start getting royalty checks. 60% of books never receive, uh, authors never receive a royalty check. And right now, in our first, like a year after publishing, we're already probably soon going to start earn back our advance. So, okay, so all this and business book of the year, all of that kind of stuff, we never expected it. We think we got there because we did something different to other authors. We treated this book as if it was a tech startup product, as if it was software. We started with an MVP. We did a minimum viable product. Oh, we got yeah, MVP, you wrote, minimum yeah. viable book. <laughs> book yeah. <laughs> we, wrote, um, we wrote a one-hour version, which we were going to publish, but then didn't have to in the end um, because we got a publishing deal uh, to do the whole thing straight away. But we wrote that and we gave it out to some people. We printed off some copies. We used Amazon and got the author copies and we gave them out to people to get feedback. And, and before that even, we were doing customer development, meaning we were talking to people, getting their feedback on the concept, seeing where they get stuck. We were mentoring early stage founders. Uh, we were coaching. Right now, I'm a huge fan of coaching. And actually, I coach people on how to find their niche, how to come up with a business idea, how to raise funding for a startup, and also how to become a coach. Because, well, the interesting thing is I'm really obsessed with online courses because I started my own thing with an online course. And a lot of people want to do online courses. And I'm like, you know what? You should start with coaching because that's like the way to get the customer development to understand what do people want to get the unfair advantage of insight. So we were doing that. We were doing some, we had, we had like this kind of uh, paid mentorship program. We're speaking on stages all over the world. We gave TEDx talk. We gave feedback. We saw what questions we got. People spoke to us afterwards. And that's how we developed the concept. This didn't just come out. We were working on this for like three, four years. Um, so really the secret there is we, we really thought of it like a product and we used those startup principles, the lean startup principle. We thought about the customer journey as they read the book. You know, we, we, we really thought of it as a UX thing, a user experience. So I think that's what's helped us massively. And the fact that we tested it so much and got feedback so much on it so that it can be a good, like a journey. We wanted to make it a transformative book. And that's the cool thing that we're hearing now about it. So yeah, it's, I would say that's the thing that most people don't know about us. Wonderful. I think that's a, that's a great way to look at books. You know, you, you, you don't look at books like a product, but I think that's, that's, that's creativity out there. So great. And I, I can see that it worked for you and no wonder the book is really well written and it, it really helps a lot to probably everyone who reads it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Great. Thank you so much, Hassan. Uh, it was a wonderful discussion with you. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as well. And I'm sure uh, all our listeners would love it and, uh, you know, probably pick up the book uh, because there's so much to find for oneself, you know, uh, in the book. Yeah. Great. Uh, any, any parting thoughts from your side? No, just, um, yeah, I think one thing that I didn't mention about unfair advantage is that, you know, there are people out there who say, you know, focus on your strengths. And that's great advice, actually. That's coming up more and more. Focus on your strengths rather than your weaknesses, particularly for your, you know, your business or your professional life. You know, um, in your personal life, maybe think about improving those weaknesses as well. Um, <laughs> nice. But what people don't talk about is is circumstances. And that's, I think, what makes the book so um, honest and why it struck a chord. Because people have different circumstances. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. It depends on your goals. Depend you know, we used to get the question of, like, should I drop out of university? Should I um, quit my job and focus on my business? Should I? And it's like, the answer is it depends. 
you know, it depends. <laughs> so we wanted to write a book that wasn't prescriptive. That didn't tell you, this is what you should do. In, in, instead, it says to you, look within yourself, figure out what it is that you're trying to do, figure out what your unfair advantages are. And then we do have a um, quick start guide at the end to tell you, okay, here's how, if you want to start a business, here's how. You think of the idea here. And these are the different types of businesses you could do. Here are the different ways to test the idea. Here are different ways to speak to customers. How to find a, um, a co-founder. How to find a mentor. How to raise funding. These are all areas in the book filled with case studies. So yeah, it would be awesome to get more feedback. Reach out to me. Ask us questions for me and Ash. Um, email or Twitter or Instagram. Or, we're available. And we just love to help people. So yeah, it would be cool. And also check me out on YouTube. Hassan Kuba. I'm starting, I'm going to go in on YouTube and hopefully that's, I've been, you can tell I've been thinking about it, right? Because we used that as an example. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. it's an area that I think is really, you know, video is the next thing that I used to do SEO for websites and stuff. And that was like written, you know, and I think video is, is YouTube has been the second largest search engine for a while. So I think YouTube is great and, um, and hopefully going to share a lot of valuable content on there. Wonderful. Great. Thanks a lot, Hassan, for taking out time and speaking to us. And I'm sure uh, it'll be a great conversation for our listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you, Shupam. Lovely to be here. Thank you. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you for giving us such so much support. Uh, you can write to us if you want to ask any question to Hassan or Ash. Uh, you can write to us or them directly. And you can also pick up the book. The link is in the details. This is Shubham signing off. Until the next secret and the next storyteller. Bye-bye.